Hi everyone and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast with David. It's great to be with you. My name's Tom and we are making our way through David's new book, No Diving. We've touched on a variety of topics so far and in this episode we're going to be looking at prophecy, which is, I know it's something close to both me and David, to our hearts and our lives and our calling and it also seems like quite a a topical discussion at the moment as we as we uh, well as we record this Joe Biden is due to be inaugurated as president in in a couple of days and we are um we're not going to talk about that don't worry we're not going to be talking about that but we we could start by highlighting the fact that a number of high profile charismatic leaders in mostly in the USA prophesied that Donald Trump would have a second term which he will not and whether or not that's a good place to start that is where we're going to start so David it's uh, it's that I guess you could say it's that sort of thing that gives prophecy a bad name doesn't it yeah I have just uh, as we're recording this I've just got off the phone from um, a very long call to uh, a man with a major prophetic ministry uh, in the United States and he is uh, deeply concerned about the uh, ramifications of what you've just referred to um, and uh, uh, so extricating the pure politics out of it uh, politics comes politics goes and so on the question is uh, why did uh, people get themselves into such a mess? Um, and I, I personally have a couple opinions on that. Um, one of which is, uh, and it goes back to our previous podcast on dispensationalism and eschatology, um, I believe that people who hold a dispensationalist theology uh, have, and, and forgive me, we obviously don't have time to explain that, but if you go back to that previous podcast or read the relevant book in No Diving on eschatology, um, you'll understand what I'm talking about. People with that eschatological mindset have a tendency, uh, a fatal tendency, to um, be forever reading the tea leaves of current events to look for uh, apocalyptic or eschatological significance. In other words, they believe the Lord is returning soon, they believe the key to discerning when that's going to happen is by discerning uh, political events that are happening. Um, for the most part, it's been stuff going on in the Middle East in the past decades. Now it's, it's shifted to stuff going on in American politics. And when you go down that road, you go down a very unbiblical road because um, Jesus was so very clear that no man knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son, but only the Father. And that whole mindset interprets everything that happens in the book of Revelation as being stuff that's happening right before the return of Christ, whereas a correct understanding of the book of Revelation uh, sees all 90% of the contents of the book as happening throughout the history of the church. So I think that part of the problem here is, um, is people finding significance in... Uh, in current events, uh, in current trends, uh, which where they shouldn't be finding any spiritual significance. There may be, you know, there's political arguments to be had, but as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, it's completely irrelevant. 
And that moves us on to the second part of this, which is a completely skewed understanding of the kingdom of God. Because Jesus' whole point was, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, unfortunately, again, dispensationalism uh, confuses that and sees Jesus as establishing an earthly kingdom. But Jesus' whole point was, um, you know, the, 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 the rulers of the Gentiles are all looking for the best places, and uh, you're supposed to take the, the lowest seat and be a servant. And when he came before Pilate, and Pilate's worried, you know, is this an insurrectionist? Because the Jews were looking for someone to overthrow Roman rule, and that's who they thought Jesus was. And the more Jesus disabused himself of, of, of disabused them of that notion, the, the, he lost favor with them. Um, and Jesus said to Pilate, no, my kingdom's not of this world. And so, um, you know, I think that there, there, so that, that's the second. The first problem is that people are looking for significance in what's happening now because the end is nigh and it isn't. And then we have the second problem coming along, which is a complete misunderstanding of the kingdom of God. When I, our mandate is to serve and to love people uh, and to um, lead people to Christ and to uh, create an alternative society, which is not a political society, but it's a society, it's a community of fellowship and of love, where you can be part of it regardless of whether you have strong political disagreements, as, entire, as you and I do in some matters. It's totally secondary. It's really irrelevant. We're not going to be arguing about that when we're in the presence of God. And so, uh, and so those are things that I think have, and then the, the, the final problem I think is that it's the, it's the Christian, uh, what should I say? Um, part of our worldly mentality, uh, adopt, if we, part of our adopting a worldly mentality in, in the body of Christ is that we exalt uh, leaders as big shot personalities, and then there's this uh, temptation to um, win a public audience for yourself uh, through making prophetic predictions. And I mean, personally, I think if people people are uh, bringing the whole body of Christ into disrepute when they do this kind of thing, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm very distressed. And the gentleman that I, to whom I was just speaking, I won't mention his name, but he is about to cancel out of a major conference because of that disagreement and, and is wrestling with how do I, you know, how do I make my position known to some of these people whom I've known for years, but I feel have gone off the deep end. And, and you know, sadly, um, when people over the years have made predictions that the Lord was returning, for instance, and never happened, you never seem to get, you don't get a repentance, you just get an updated edition of their book with new predictions. So I, I'm not optimistic. Well, maybe we will get a repentance. But if you got it wrong in something as fundamental as this and as high profile as this, or if you, if you, if you got it, if, if you made public predictions that involve the rest of the body of Christ and we're very high profile and you got it wrong, I think it might be time to reevaluate whether you have any right to be a spokesperson for God on anything quote-unquote prophetic. Anyway, I'm sorry, that's a rant, but you've asked me and I'm giving you my best 
assessment. It's good. It. It's good. It's why people are tuning in. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Brit, and there's obviously cultural differences, but I don't remember ever hearing anyone on this side of the pond that like prophesying about who would win a general election here, or so it does feel like a big cultural difference. But obviously, America is so dominant, at least in Western culture, that we we talk about this a lot. And I, I guess another difference I find is over there, people often will be referred to as prophet, or you know, they have sort sort of a title. And maybe I just come from a slightly more relaxed stream of church, but I always just think, you know, if you're prophetic, just get on and do it. You don't have to give yourself a title or be introduced as anything special. You know, as we've been talking about, I think for people. The, the proof is in the pudding, you know, and your your character first and your ministry too will will bear fruit if it is God that's, you know, in you and, 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 and filling you with the Holy Spirit. Um, but of course, I'm glad we've touched on this, but as I said at the start, you and I are both, I would say we are prophetic people. We've both benefited from prophetic ministry massively over the years. So despite the negative that we've touched on, we both think it's a, a massively important part of the local church and part of God's plan for for us now. Because, I mean, the Bible tells us that the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen and courage and comfort, which on the face of it seems a million miles away from declaring who's going to be sitting in the White House in a few days' time. Um, so I guess those three words are probably a good place to start, aren't they? You know, strengthen, encourage and comfort. That's That's the reason why God gave us this gift. Yeah, and I think it operates uh, on two levels, one of which is um, personal, revelatory, uh, when you're at church or speaking in another church and people come up for prayer at the end and you find yourself saying, like I did once, I curse the spirit of barrenness over a couple who I never met before and didn't have a clue why they'd come forward for prayer and actually uh, after the end of that service, I discovered they hadn't come forward at all. They were only coming forward to push their uh, father, who was dying of cancer, in a wheelchair. Um, for, but I did pray for him too. But you know, the Lord took him. So, uh, but that couple did have massive history of infertility, and l- then you know, losing a a baby when they she did get pregnant, she lost the baby at full term, and so on. And the most marvelous thing came out of that. It was extraordinary. Well, two boys came out of it in the end. But um, So that's one level of the prophetic. Uh, the other level uh, is um, prophetic leaders within the body of Christ. And uh, that's what some of these other people profess to be. But, but I very seriously question that because the Hebrew... Uh, there's a Hebrew verb or word, I'm sorry, noun, chazah, it's a verb and a noun, uh, but it basically means um, to ha- it's translated prophetic vision, like without a prophetic vision, the people perish. Uh, the w- meaning of the word is a prophetic insight, a deep spiritual insight into the scriptures. Uh, and that's what Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the other prophets had. So to me, someone who is... Operating in a prophetic gift that is substantial enough that they might be traveling among churches or writing books. Um, what I'm looking for in them is, is got nothing to do with predicting th- events that are going to happen. What I'm looking for is 
the ability to put their finger on things that need addressing in the body of Christ through a deep insight into scripture and saying, hey, guys, you know, we're getting this wrong. This needs to change. That's what I'm looking for in the prophetic uh, at, at that level. I also think as well, sometimes um, in my experience, I sometimes think of it as some people can have a, I almost think of like a bird's eye view. So sometimes God will reveal to them things that are going on almost at like a macro level. And then I know people, and some people have both, and then some people will have more of a microscopic where they will say, they will pray for someone and they will say, this is going on in your life, you know, and often there can be that mix between the two. Someone who deals, you know, like you said, on like a sort of a ministry one-to-one level, and then maybe people who may be more experienced but can say, can just, they get revelation about what's going on in a city or in a community, um, and both can be really powerful. I remember... A couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember, we walked. I met you for for coffee in in lovely historic Durham, in the north of England, and we walked into the shop, and you knew the barista, and you turned to me and you said, "Tom, this this man needs a prophetic word," and so uh, nothing like putting me on the spot, and I I gave him something. It was something to do with Woody from Toy Story, which always makes you feel um, a bit uncertain in the moment, but you know it it, it was it seemed to be seemed to be on the on the money thankfully and he was accurate and as a result of um your prophetic word as well as other confirming things he is now serving in the metropolitan police that young man instead of baristaing in durham it's so good and and i mean literally this week hannah my wife and i have received two separate words from people neither of knew what was going on in our life at the moment and they don't know each other and they've both spoken directly into a situation specifically about what's going on. So it's it's an amazing gift. I struggle sometimes to understand why people are opposed to it. The, the two main uh, issues that you often come across with prophecy is that people, they look at the prophets maybe more in the Old Testament and see how they were basically mouthpieces of God. And so they say, well, if prophecy is real today that would be adding to the bible why do we need it we've got the bible you hear that sometimes and the other one you hear is is that well and probably a a diminishing group of people within the body of christ but you get the people who say spiritual gifts finished um when when scripture finishes and then you know end of acts and so therefore none of the gifts are real and they're the two main issues we hear aren't they yeah and i think uh my some people are very fearful and they they, they don't have any experience of the charismatic gifts or anything. And they've heard some wild story, you know, and assume that people prophesying are saying what they, their words are equal to scripture. Well, you know, in 40 odd years of um, uh, Christian leadership, I mean, I have seen a few wacky things, I have to admit, but I don't think that I've ever run across anyone that gave a prophecy and said it was equal to scripture. Uh, I mean, that, that just doesn't happen. Um, in fact, uh, and so there's there's misunderstanding. So sometimes when I talk to people that are in that category, they get reassured. Okay, you know, um, I, I appreciate that now. But you see, what I say is that prophecy in one way or another is just an application of biblical truth. Uh, and uh, it is taking biblical principles and 
applying them with a little bit of supernatural insight to somebody's life. Uh, and anything that is contrary to the scriptures, I don't care whether it's a, a so-called prophecy or whether it's somebody teaching something uh, in church on Sunday morning, if it's not in line with the word of God, throw it out. And one way, actually, I find if I'm ever training people in prophecy is using scripture, I find is often one of the best ways to get people who feel nervous is say, right, I want you to pray for the person next to you. But I only want you to ask God to highlight a biblical character in your mind. And so straight away, because if you say to someone, give them a prophecy like you did to me in the cafe, if someone's not you know, used to it, then that's like, it could like, well, this could be anything. And so it throws them off. And if you suddenly say, right, you can only pick biblical characters well straight away with they're limited to the ones they know they might you know they might only know five anyway in their head you know depending what their biblical knowledge is but that can be an amazing word you know if if you say you know you're a joseph or you're a gideon or do you know what i mean that there could be incredible encouragement in that and it would be prophetic but it would be literally taken from the pages of scripture you know so again it's i think we keep coming back to it, but we talked about the, the issues at the start. So much mystique and um, haziness as, as, as seems to have come up around it when really it's just a simple way of building up the body, isn't it? And I think that, um, honestly, uh, for instance, uh, I've done seminars and teaching and prophecy where I got people to divide up into groups of two or three at the end. And, um, and I just say, pray for one another. And if a scripture comes into your mind, then just read it out. Uh, or if you get a picture of something in your mind, just say what it is. Uh, and if you don't have anything, just pray what's in your heart to pray. That demystifies it because I believe that God can speak. Prophecy isn't, you know, um, me going into some ecstatic state, frothing at the mouth uh, and saying, thus saith the Lord A, B, and C. That's not it at all. I, I run f far away from that. Uh, Pro prophecy is me praying for someone and asking the Holy Spirit, you know, to pray the compassion, the mercy of God through me for that person. And, you know, how many times uh, have we prayed for people uh, and not had any consciousness of giving anything prophetic? And people have said, well, that was exactly the right prayer. How did you know how to pray that? Well, you know, I, I think it all comes down to our ability to communicate with the Holy Spirit or to allow him to communicate through us. And um, and let's take the mystery out of it and just bring it down to a very concrete level. And we'll be amazed how, uh, um, you know, we'll be amazed how God uses us in that. It does. It sort of sounds arrogant, but it's not. And some people might say it is, but... I think for me, I've come to a place where I'm confident that if I ask God to speak to me about someone, I'm confident that he will do that because he is a loving father. You know, Jesus says the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. Uh, you know, again and again, Jesus affirmed the fact that God wants to give us good gifts. It, it, it's there. And so if if someone is earnestly seeking like a word from God in their life or if they're in need and I'm there as God's son, trying to help them. I'm just confident that God is just desperate to come and meet us again and again and again. And so whenever I speak to people, they go, well, how do I know it's God? How can I, how, and it's not me. And I say, well, if you're asking him, step out in faith. And I'm not saying you're going to get it 100% right and everything you say will be from God, but 
in my experience, when I'm praying for someone, nearly always the first thing that I get in my head is nearly always the, the thing that is that that God is trying to speak, or at least the, the, the first step. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? It's it's if I stop and then try and analyse it and add my own extra bits, then that's normally when the problem comes. And so I think it's it's having a just a confidence as to who I am in in Jesus, His Son, that He likes to talk to. Where I was meeting. I met with one uh, young guy uh, a week or so ago and just going through some complex decisions that he's got to make and talking for about an hour and a half. And then um, uh, another young guy uh, came in and I was going to talk to him after. And uh, I just said to him, the second guy, um, I said, have you ever experienced uh, prophecy? And uh, he said, no. He said, I haven't. I said, well, I just want you to pray for this first, for this guy. I mean, they'd never met. Just pray for him then, whatever's in your heart. And he prayed this incredible prophetic prayer that summed up the hour and a half of conversation without any awareness, you know. And then I explained him afterward. And it was just very encouraging for the first guy. So... I think we need to operate on the assumption Jesus said we hear the, the shepherd's voice. Um, it doesn't mean we're hearing voices and need to be locked up in a hospital. It just means that we can feel the heart of God for someone. Uh, we are, you know, reading our Bible, we're praying, we're accountable, our lives are reasonably in order. And if that's the case, then we can expect God to speak through us. We can expect to hear God and um, it can be just in a very ordinary way, but then sometimes God just breaks right through and says something quite extraordinary that, and gives us information that we couldn't possibly have had. And, um, you know, for some people that might happen once in a lifetime or once, once in every five years or something. That's fine. Uh, for other people, it may happen fairly often. And those are people that you begin to watch and develop and train a little bit. And you expect, and, and those are people that develop a track record, which is something I really look for with prophecy is, you know, if someone comes to me and says, well, I feel I have a prophetic word for you. If I know that their life is in order, that they're part of a local church, that they're not wacky. If I also know that they've had prophetic words for other people that, that have all been verified and accurate, then I'll put a lot more weight and give a lot more time to what that person has to say than if it's just somebody that walks up to me on the street. I also think as well, often for us, it's when people listening, it's it's really important to evaluate how we receive them because, you know, it's all well and good, happy to give them out. But what happens if someone gives you one that maybe you're not expecting or, um, and I guess it's just having the humility to, to accept it. There's, there's a, I forget that the chapter, but there's a bit where Jesus talks about the prophet's reward. And I've often sort of pondered that. Well, what does that mean? And, I think what I've sort of landed on is that I've so many times I've seen people give and receive incredible prophetic words that change. That it, it has the power to change someone's life effectively. You know, if the word of God comes, someone's life could be, I see it like a car, it's going down one way and suddenly the wheel turns and it's going off a different road. And I always think, I wonder if that's what Jesus was referring to, that prophet's reward, that if you receive a word from God, then there is such great reward to be to be had in that. And so... Why would you choose to just shut that whole avenue off of how God wants to bless you? You know, 
putting all the issues aside that we've covered done in the right way. And the New Testament gives us a great blueprint. You know, Paul tells us it's to be done in an orderly manner, one at a time, they're to be weighed. You know, I mean, it's really clear that it's not meant to be, like you say, some sort of crazy shouting fest or um, done properly. At least in my experience, it's very ordinary, very ordinary, but super powerful. And and safe. And, uh, you know, we... In my in my experience, um, prophet, a, a prophetic word that comes to someone is probably only the last in a series of uh, directions that they feel that they've had, uh, which may involve personal counseling, scripture, uh, you know, prayer, and so on, and circumstance, all those things. But they're still wavering, and then someone comes up. It is exactly what happened with you and that young man in the cafe that day, that there had been a whole, um, you know, string of things that he'd gone through and and investigations and seeking godly counsel and and praying and all the rest of it. He just needed something that would, you know, push him over the edge or confirm him in in the the, uh, decision that he was was going to make. And... uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, people receive multiple prophetic words, exactly the same word. And I've had occasions where I've had a prophetic word and I feel God spoke to me and I'll say it right to the person. I said, you know, how many times has someone said this to you? Or I'm not the first person that said it, am I? Um, so, no, you know, when we look at 1 Corinthians 14, um, there are prophets or prophetic people in the plural Nobody gets the whole revelation, you know. We all may get a piece of the pie, so to speak. Um, And there's, I think, security in that, that you can have a prophetic word given to you. It doesn't mean you have to receive it. You know, you you weigh it. You go to other people for counsel and advice. You wait to see if it's confirmed and so on. Um, So, and, you know, I mean, if someone gives me something and I think, well... Their heart is right, but really it's it probably isn't. Uh, you know, I'm not going to crush the person by saying, well, that's a load of rubbish. You know, I'll just say, well, thank you. I'll take that before the Lord, you know. And maybe I need to be adjusted too in it. So, And what I always think as well with 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Corinthians 12, they're both dealing with, with gifts. And then obviously 1 Corinthians 13, the famous passage on love, that strikes me as the sort of meat in the sandwich with all this, that all this needs to be done in love. And it's all about, you know, building people up, um, which I think is important to remember. I do still have, I, we, we first met, it was it was either 2005 or six, so, you know, a long time ago. And I still have some prophetic words that you gave me, you know, just as, as a doorstop in my, uh, in, in my, in my folder. So um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good practice to have. Uh, and I have a folder full of, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't record everything, but... Um, uh, certainly anything that's significant or whatever uh, I ask people to write it down or get it recorded or something and and I have a folder and when we three four years ago when we were at a major life change and you know seeking God uh, we got that thing out and read it and reread it and reread it and you know found a lot of direction in it over the years that that God was pointing us in this direction so it's not um, 
you know, we still have the responsibility to do what we feel is right. We still have the responsibility to check it with people we're accountable to, to make sure what we're doing is scriptural, to pray about it, and so on. But the prophetic part of it is a precious thing. And if if you're somebody that has had prophetic words given to you, um, then, you know, keep a record of them. Because one, one of the reasons is that prophecy doesn't always, you know, if you get a good prophetic word, you want it to be fulfilled yesterday. But oftentimes it takes time, sometimes a lot of time. I've got um, a series of remarkable prophetic words that were the same word given by different people in different countries in different decades that still haven't fully come to pass. Um, then I've had other words that, that have, have, you know, have been fulfilled, many. Um, so hang on to it and uh, treasure treasure that. Don't put it on a level with scripture, but still treasure it. Well, we're coming into close, but uh, we really recommend everyone to read the chapter, even if it's something you've engaged with a lot or, or never before. We encourage you to ignore the extremes, <laughs> as we would with anything, and just engage with what the Bible says. And, you know, if, if, if this is something you'd love to learn more about, reach out to people that you know in your, in your church or in your movement who, who have a track record. Um, there's loads of great books out there, apart from David's, but mostly by David's. And um, we've still got the, the episode on the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come up. So uh, maybe we should have done that one first, but that will be a really good one connected to this as well and how a lot of the gifts can start to be birthed and, and grow. So uh, as always, thank you for listening. If you haven't yet ordered David's book, David will be knocking on your door and asking you why. So we, we encourage you to order it and we look forward to speaking to you in the next episode.